Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Well, it happened to me again a few Sundays ago. I was preaching in a very healthy church when, during the worship service, it came time for the offering. And the pastor stepped up and said, Church, it's time for the offering. And spontaneous applause broke out across the auditorium. And I don't mean the golf clap kind of applause. I mean excited, raucous, uh, enthusiastic applause because it was time for the offering. And it was obvious that this pastor has done a really good job of helping his church to understand not only the importance of the offering, but the importance of offering as a part of a worship experience. So I want to talk today about how to make offerings and offering times more meaningful in public worship services. Let's start by talking about what happened to the offering as a part of worship. Well, several things. First, the scandals in the 1980s and 1990s, uh, financial scandals in churches, including some very significant national scandals, made leaders reluctant to focus on money and really de-emphasize talking about money in any capacity in public worship services. This combined with the rise in the 1990s and early 2000s of the seeker-sensitive worship movement, which also caused leaders to shy away from focusing on money in any capacity. The idea was that uh, seekers or unbelievers or people who were coming that were investigating a relationship with God or a particular church didn't want to be distracted by talking about money. And then another thing that really hurt the offering was the singular way of receiving it, of passing the plate, so to speak, passing the offering plate, seemed like begging or pleading for money, and quite honestly, also uh, seemed like a cumbersome time waster in a worship service. This was also coupled with the rise of what I will call a performance-based worship leadership Uh, which again changed the expectations of what was supposed to happen in a worship service so that the offering became a distraction more than a contribution. And then, quite honestly, another thing in more recent times that's also diminished the offering in the worship service has been the rise of electronic giving and monthly giving, uh, which has diminished the need to even receive an offering uh, by in the minds of many leaders in a worship service. So, These are some reasons why the offering over time has been diminished as a part of the worship experience. But now, let me press in a little bit. I think there are also some other, what I'll call real reasons, why leaders avoid the offering. The first one is they are often poor stewards themselves. They can't celebrate the offering because the offering is a moment when they are reminded of their stewardship failures, their lack of generosity, their disobedience to God in an important area of their lives. And so they want to minimize the offering because they don't want to deal with those feelings every week. Another reason that leaders avoid the offering, what I'll call another one of these real reasons, is that they tend to over-spiritualize financial issues. Leaders tend to over-spiritualize money. Uh, We think of it 
in one way, but frankly, most people, particularly anyone that's involved in business leadership, thinks of money in an entirely different way. They're much more matter-of-fact about it and much more willing to talk about it than we think they are. We tend to over-spiritualize the issue rather than just deal with it as a normal part of life. And then a third of these real reasons is that leaders often underestimate the financial insight and the financial interest of their attenders and members. This came home to me when I was planting the church in Oregon. We were doing a uh, new member orientation, and, and as a part of that, one of the sections of the training was, how is our church financed? And I explained that our church was paid for by the offerings that were provided by its members, plus some outside support at that time that was coming from the denomination since we were a church plant. But I also emphasized that that funding was going away and that our own offerings had to pick up the balance, the slack, so to speak, and that the balance of all that it was going to take to actually pay for our church had to come from our own people. We had only been open as a church for a few months when I led this training, and one of the men that was there was not yet a Christian. Afterwards, he came up to me and said, I really appreciate that talk about money and how the church pays for its uh, ministry. I said, okay, thanks. And he goes, no, really. Ever since I started coming to this church, I've been wondering, who's paying for all this? Where's the money coming from? And it was very helpful for you to lay that out for me today. Now, he later became a Christian and became an active part of our church, but that conversation reminded me that most people are not overly sensitive about talking about money, uh, and we underestimate their financial interest or their financial uh, insight into what we're doing. And quite honestly, when we finally bring this subject into the open, they're very glad we did, and quite frankly, glad to talk about it. So these are some of the reasons that I think the offering has been diminished in public worship. Now, what are some reasons the offering must be reclaimed and remain a significant part of worship services. Well, the first one is that offerings are a part of worship in both the Old and the New Testament. When you start going through the worship service stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll be hard-pressed to find one that doesn't include an offering, that doesn't include people bringing either something tangible like an animal or money to contribute to the work of God in the name of God as an act of service and devotion during a worship service. It is hard to preach or teach on worship without referencing offerings. Now, there is a tremendous misunderstanding in our world today about this whole subject of worship. Worship has devolved into being equated with only the singing that goes on in a worship service. Now, I personally like the singing in a worship service, and I'm not speaking negatively about that. But worship is far more than just the musical components of the service. The entire experience is supposed to be worship. And when you look at worship services in the Bible and try to pattern what you do in your church based on what you see in Scripture— you're going to find that a significant part of biblical worship is making an offering. So the first reason that we need to reclaim the offering as a vital part of worship services is because it's biblical. When you're trying to imitate the Bible in the area of worship, you're going to include a meaningful time of offering. 
Now, a second reason we need to reclaim the offering is that money represents life, particularly in Western culture. Money represents life. I know here at the seminary, for example, we have people that are paid by the hour. Now, that doesn't reduce their life to money, but it does say in a very concrete fashion, you're exchanging your life, meaning the hours of the days of the time that you're able to work, for money. And so money does represent life in Western culture. Therefore, when we come on a Sunday to a worship service and we bring money to offer to God, it's a symbol, a powerful symbol of giving a piece of ourselves back to God. Money is a powerful symbol. It represents life, and it's, it's a way that we can concretize our giving of ourselves back to God. And then a third reason that I think we need to reclaim the offering as a important part of worship is that the offering is more than a uh, resource gathering moment. The offering is a significant teaching moment in the church. The offering is a disciple-making moment in a worship service. It strikes me as interesting that many people today are calling out for an intensification of disciple-making in local churches. I support that. But a part of making a disciple is teaching a person how to handle their money, how to deal with their money in a comprehensive fashion, how to earn it, how to spend it, how to save it, and how to give it. And part of disciple-making is using the offering as a weekly reminder of a person's responsibility to manage their resources well and to be discipled even in their use of money. So the offering is a teaching moment. It's a disciple-making moment. And because of this, it's really significant that we reclaim it as a part of meaningful worship. Now, I want to spend a little time now talking about this last point and amplifying it and then talking about some best practices I'm seeing in churches that are doing this well. How can the offering be more of a disciple-making moment? Well, the first way is that leaders can use the offering to remind people that money represents life and giving it is a symbol of giving life to God. It's possible, for example, for a leader to stand up and say, this week you worked hard for your money. You were a plumber, a teacher, a coach, a counselor, an accountant, an engineer, a physician, a nurse. You worked 20, 40, 60 hours. You exchanged your life for money. And now you've come with some of that money in your hand to say, God, I give this to you now as a symbol or a statement that my life belongs to you. That's one way that you can do this. Another way is to remind people that their money represents life, and because of that, it's an opportunity for them to give life to other people. And when you make this financial contribution, you are giving life to missionaries, to pastors, 
to people who are in need that will receive the ministry that your church will provide. And so money not only represents your life, but money also is a means by which life is extended to other people. Okay, a second way that the offering can be a disciple-making moment is that you can remind people of their stewardship responsibility to manage their money such that they have some to give away. The offering is primarily about giving, but as I've already said on the podcast, the full orb of stewardship is to learn how to earn money, to spend, save money, to spend money, and to give money so that in all of these ways you are honoring God as a steward of what he has entrusted you with financially. Stewardship. The offering is a moment of teaching these important principles. So, for example, you might say something like this. Today we come to bring our offering to God. It represents a part of our life that we're now giving back to him. You may say, I'm not able to give today. Why not? Because you perhaps squandered the money you could give by not saving or spending wisely. So the offering is a reminder to you that not only are you responsible to give, but that you have to be a wise steward of your resources in other contexts so that you will have something to give. That's just one way that you can use the offering as a disciple-making moment in teaching people about the concept of stewardship. All right, here's a third way. Another way you can make the offering a disciple-making moment is to connect the offerings to church ministry being accomplished. Connect the offerings to church ministry being accomplished. Now, I'm going to talk about some ways uh, uh, maybe to do this uh, more later in the podcast, but now let me just mention a couple. You can, of course, do this by calling attention to some significant ministry the church is doing as a result of the gifts that are being given. So one Sunday, you might say, uh, this morning we come to make offerings to God, and by making those offerings, extend life to other people who will receive the ministry of our church. And today, we highlight our ministry to homeless people in our community, or today we highlight our ministry to teenagers in our community. Or today, we highlight the ministry that we have to senior adults as we care for them and reach out to them in Jesus' name. And then you might move away from age grouping things and talk about different approaches, like today we, talk, today we emphasize our bereavement ministry and how we care for those who are grieving. Today, we emphasize, as we might in our church, our boxing ministry and our outreach to young men in our community to give them a physical outlet to exert themselves and express themselves that uh, manages those uh, in an appropriate way and then couples that with spiritual teaching. I'm just simply saying that in the offering, you have the capacity to connect what you're giving to the ministries of your church and specifically uh, the ministries that are making a difference in the lives of people. In other words, I wouldn't talk about the utility bill or paying your uh, you know, uh, uh, liability insurance, but I would talk more about the specific ministries that are taking place that are really making a difference. And you can do this by a lot of different ways. Of course, you could do it verbally, like I'm having to do here on the podcast, but you could also do it by showing two or three photographs of that ministry in action and of what it, results it was achieving. Or if you were talking and focusing on your missions program, you could show some uh, photographs about that as well. There's also the possibility, of course, of using video or also of having someone uh, come 
and give a uh, brief testimony or a brief statement. Now, you want to be careful with that because you don't want to turn the offering into some other component of the service. You want to keep the focus on the giving. But nevertheless, even a one-minute statement or a short statement by someone, either live or on video, of what the offering and the ministry that resulted meant in their lives is another way to connect the offering to church ministry being accomplished. And then finally, you can connect it not only to church ministry, but to global ministry being accomplished. You know, this is where you have the opportunity to emphasize the cooperative program, to emphasize the uh, mission boards that we support in terms of the international and North American mission boards in our denomination. Are other programs and projects that you might be involved in, including some direct ministry or direct missions that you're doing? Uh, bringing these to the forefront from on a periodic basis is so much more effective than just having a once-a-year emphasis. But saying, as you bring your offering today, you're not only supporting the ministries of our church, but you are touching the world with the gospel. And here's how we're doing that, by sending these resources to this country, this church planter, or this ministry, to make sure that they have the resources they need to go forward in their mission. Well, these are some ways the offering can be a disciple-making moment. You remind people that money represents life, and it not only represents their life, but it gives life to others as it enables ministry to be done. Money reminds people of stewardship and their responsibility to earn, save, spend, and give appropriately so that they're able to give something when offering time comes. Uh, You can connect the offerings to church ministry, and you can connect the offerings to global ministry being accomplished. Now, Having said all those things, what are some practical ways that you can bring all this together in a worship service? Well, the first thing I would say is celebrate the offering. It's not a distraction. It's not a waste of time. It's not something that you need to rush through. Celebrate the offering. Now, as I started the podcast, I was in this church recently when the pastor stepped up and said, it's time to receive our offering, and there was a spontaneous applause that went out across the congregation. How did that happen? Well, he has taught the church that passage of Scripture about being a hilarious giver, and he has modeled for the church and encouraged the church and reminded the church that when it comes time to give, this is the spirit that needs to be expressed, this kind of, out, uh, this kind of outpouring of celebration about the offering. Now, not only do we celebrate the opportunity to give the offering, but I think it's also important to celebrate milestones about the offering. Now, I realize some people don't like to do this because they want to keep some of this, uh, for some reason, secret. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but some churches do. But I like our church. We publish our monthly offerings every month, and we say every month in the printed material that goes out on Sunday, this is the offerings that were given last month. We thank God for these resources and for the accomplishment of what they're able to, enabling us to do. And we keep a running total. Our offerings for the year have exceeded or they are under the projections of what we need to do the ministry that we believe God has for us in our community this year. We publish that. And from time to time, our pastor will call attention to it and say, we are grateful to God that you are giving so generously and you are giving above and beyond anything that we could have expected. And we're able to do even more ministry because of the generosity and the resources that are being provided. So celebrate the offering in the moment that you're giving it, 
but also celebrate the offering uh, and the results that it achieves by publicizing the totals that you're receiving, the amounts that you're getting, and all of that. Now, some people don't want to do this because they say, well, I don't want us to be bragging about what our church is doing. You're not bragging. You're just reporting to the people the evidence of their spiritual devotion and their spiritual maturity. And you say, well, I don't want to report it because if it's going too good, some people might stop giving. That's ridiculous. You simply don't understand the people that, that give, and I mean people that really give, they like to give to successful things that have momentum and that are getting something done. Um, I know as a donor and a person who develops relationships with donors, the we're in trouble, will you bail us out appeal falls on deaf ears for most people with significant resources. But the we are accomplishing something significant, God is providing resources, and we need more to do even more Those people want to get on that fast-moving train. So don't hesitate to report the good results of the offerings that you're receiving. A second uh, best practice would be to intentionally plan 90 seconds of teaching to go with every offering. 90 seconds. Now, the fact of the matter is most churches put almost no planning or thought into the offering. They'll say, oh, could somebody lead us in prayers? We receive the offering or, well, it's time for the offering now. Uh, do, the, are, do, we have the, do we have the offerings handy, uh, the baskets handy? Uh, or, well, the, it's time for the offering. And, and so, if, if, you know, just put your checks in the back. There's some baskets or some boxes and, and, and take care of it that way. Now let's move on with the service. I'm challenging you to plan every week 90 seconds of connecting the offering to some disciple-making component of your church. 90 seconds. That's all I'm asking you to plan. So that when it comes offering time, there is something intentional and specific and pointed and directional and meaningful that people have as an experience of worship as a part of the offering. Now, I think this is really important today because, quite frankly, in most worship services post-COVID, There's not an offering basket passed, not an offering plate shuffled down an aisle. So instead of doing that, let's spend those 90 seconds really focusing the offering as a disciple-making moment in our church. What can you do in that 90 seconds? You can have a video testimony. Uh, You can have a video on missions. You can show five photographs of the activities of your church in a particular area. You can connect uh, the financial giving of your church to the global mission of God. You you can do this in these different kinds of ways that I'm describing in that 90 seconds of teaching, of focus, of information that is connected to the offering time in the service. Now, let me give you a third one, and that is have – People recruited and trained to participate in leading the offering. Now, I've seen several models of this recently, which have been very encouraging to me. The first one is really simple. I've seen this done in two or three different churches, and that is when the time comes for the offering, the pastor simply says, it's now time to receive our morning offering, and now to say just a word and lead us in prayer is the Jones family. And while he's saying this, a family is walking up on the stage. Now, uh, in the case that I most recently saw it, it was a man, it was his wife, and two small children. 
This was a guy probably in his mid to late 30s, two little kids under 10 years old. Uh, they walked up on the stage, and you'd thought they were going to meet the president of the United States. The kids had on their best Sunday clothes. I mean, they're walking up in front of the whole church, and they walked up on the stage, and the pastor said, it's now time to receive our morning offering, and the Jones family is coming to say just a word and lead us in prayer. And he handed the microphone, and the wife said, um, we enjoy giving to our church because of the difference we're making in our community. You can see we have children, and we particularly enjoy supporting a church financially that has a robust vacation Bible school and children's ministry program, and we are glad to give to something like this. And then she handed the microphone to her husband, and he led an offertory prayer. And I sat there thinking, that was powerful. Normal people coming up in front of the church and saying, we enjoy giving. We like to give. We want to give. And we give because it makes a difference in our family and in the lives of people in our community. Now, I asked the pastor, and he said, yes, we do that almost every Sunday. We recruit a family in our church that is faithfully giving to our church, and we ask them to come and give a testimony. Either one of the children or the wife or the husband can say the testimony, and then one of the children, the wife or the husband, can lead the prayer. But we want them to just say a brief word of why they enjoy giving and then lead us in the offertory prayer moment. This kind of intentionality of planning involves people in such a way that people who are sitting out there in the congregation say, well, I could be up there. That's how I feel. Those are normal people. That's not a pastor. I want to give to this church as well. And so this kind of training of people to participate in leading and in dedicating the offering is so significant. Of course, you could also use people like this in giving testimonies about the offering or uh, answering questions in an interview context or format about the offering. But again, I'm trying to keep this to about 90 really focused seconds. I'm not asking you to devote 10 minutes to the offering. So you want to be careful about uh, you know inviting people up and going too far into too much detail on too many things. You might do this perhaps uh, for a little longer period occasionally, like if your church sent a team on a mission trip overseas and you wanted to have some reporting about that and connect that to the offering or something like that. But on a week-in, week-out basis, let's shoot for 90 seconds of really focused time of disciple-making through the offering by these kinds of means, by celebrating it by having laypersons participate, by using photographs or short videos or other kinds of things. And then last, a uh, last thing I would say about a best practice in all this is to think about how you're receiving the offering and do it in a way that really does give people a concrete way to give. Now, uh, let, let's be clear. I, electronic giving is here to stay, and I'm all for it. But even in a worship service, you can highlight, if you'd like to give electronically today, Here's how you do that. For example, I was in a church recently that has permanently install, installed on the back of the chairs a small QR code. And the pastor simply says, as we come to our offering this morning, if you'd like to give electronically, you may, you may use the QR code on the back of the chair in front of you, and you can give electronically right now. If you prefer to give by some other means, he says there are offering baskets and boxes at the ends of the aisles as you're leaving the worship service this morning. Please make your gift at that time. And 
this particular church has those boxes out, and they have someone standing there, a deacon or someone like that, just to sort of monitor what's happening at those boxes, uh, just for an added step of security and best practices. So receive the offering quickly but distinctly. Let people know right now, this minute, this moment, is the time to give. Now, another way that I've seen this done, if you still want to pass offering baskets or offering plates, and especially if you're in a little bit larger church, rather than have you know a, a processional of deacons go down the line and down the aisle, passing plate after plate after plate down these aisles, uh, one church that I know has a, an offering basket at the end of every row of seats. And when it's offering time, the pastor will just simply say, now, if you're seated to my far right, your left, if you'll look under your seat, you'll find an offering basket. Please pick that up and pass it the length of your row now as we receive the offering. And this large church can receive an offering in about a minute because that basket goes down that long row of people from one end to the other, just one row, and there's someone waiting at the end to collect them. It's a really good way to have a distinct moment of giving if you're still a church that passes plates or baskets like that. Well, as we come to the conclusion of the podcast here today, let's uh, remind ourselves what we're talking about here. We're talking about recapturing the offering as a means of disciple-making in local churches. We're not talking about putting on a big show or having some big distraction, nor are we talking about ignoring this important part of biblical worship. We're simply saying, let's capture this moment in a special way that it makes a contribution to the spiritual growth of the people who've come to worship on a Sunday. The one thing that I would strongly say don't do, don't skip the offering. Don't minimize it. Don't eliminate it or ignore it. Offerings are an important part of worship. It's not just about you gathering money for your church. It's about leading people in the worship of God through singing, through praying, through scripture reading, through hearing preaching, through prayer of response when all of this concludes, and also as a part of all of that, making an offering. It's a biblical part of worship. Offering practices have changed much in the past two decades, and so we have to think clearly about how we're going to reclaim the offering as a meaningful part of worship. I know we can do it. I see the effects of it as I go to churches that are doing this well. I challenge you to rethink how you're doing offerings as you lead on. 